Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, thanks a lot for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Kevin Klein running for council in Charleswood Tuxedo. Tara Brousseau Snyder from Mood Disorders Manitoba will join us. We'll talk back to school with her. Lauren Remillard, the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, will join us to talk about this food fair story. Food fair being told by the province it could not open on Labor Day. And Brad Narink will join us. Manager of Engineering, Public Works, City of Winnipeg, will get an update on construction season. Please rate the podcast and please subscribe to the podcast. And now, here you go, the podcast. Kevin Klein is running for council in Charleswood and Tuxedo, and he joins me on the phone now. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Great. Thanks for doing this. You've got a... I've been saying now for probably a week or 10 days that crime has very quickly overtaken Portage and Maine as the big issue. Not that Portage and Maine ever deserved to be on the ballot, but it's there. But I think crime has become the big issue now. I talked with Gar, uh, Gar Steek last week. He had a crime for him, and you've got one now coming up tomorrow night. Tell us about it. Well, I think you're absolutely right, first of all, Hal. When I uh, decided to run for council and started making the door-knocking uh, trek and, and meeting people in the community, more and more people, I was hearing right from the get-go that crime was a concern. Now, of course, we know there's serious crimes and there's car break-ins, there's bicycles being stolen, all various types of crime, but it is growing. So I believe that it's you know, not just festering a little bit. People now are concerned. They're scared. If you uh, look on Facebook, there's a couple of communities that have crime watch pages now where people talk about crimes or things that have been stolen or suspicious vehicles they see. And I felt that it was really, you could hear the fear in some people's voices, and it was something that we have to address today. When it comes to people's safety, we, we have to take action as quickly as possible. And so, you know, you're running in Charleswood Tuxedo. Some people might think, well, really, crime? Is it an issue in that part of town? But it really is becoming an issue everywhere, isn't it, Kevin? You're right. It it is becoming an issue in all parts of the city. And yes, it is an issue in Charleswood Tuxedo. I mean, our family, we've had our cars uh, broken into and they're parked outside. You know, they get rummaged through and they, they take a few items, change or whatever that might be, to a point where... You know, sometimes we just decided to take everything important out of the car and leave the doors unlocked. That way they won't smash the window. Right. And, and that's happening to more and more people in Charleswood. I met a really nice uh, gentleman the other day who's lived in Charleswood his entire life. And, he, you know, uh, and he's in his 50s. And he said for the first time on his street where he's growing up, they, uh, they are now concerned about crime because they've had their cars broken into or, and a home got broken into. So it is getting worse. And I think we have to act quickly so it doesn't get out of hand. Do you think it's going to take more boots on the ground, more officers on the street? Good question, Helen. I, I think it takes more than just putting more police officers on the street. I, I don't think you can simply just hire another 200 officers and think that that will fix the problem. We have to look at this from a, uh, a different point of view. There has to be different organizations involved. I'd like to see the province at the table. We, we have to talk about prevention. We know that a big part of this is the meth problem, and we're not the only city facing a meth problem. But let's be honest. We have a major drug problem in this city right now, which is responsible for a large majority of crimes. I I heard the newscast. I I listen to you all the time. And I heard the newscast today about the gentleman who was throwing bricks 
from a roof at police cars and at emergency vehicles who they believe was on meth. It's time to do something. Yeah. Um, tell us where this is happening tomorrow night and who you've got lined up to speak. And obviously you want people to come out. Absolutely. We, we would love for, uh, for people to come out, especially from the uh, Charleswood Tuxedo uh, neighborhood. It is tomorrow night. It starts at 630. It'll run till about 830 p.m. at the Park West Inn. That's on uh, 525 Dale Boulevard. We have uh, Maurice and George coming from the Winnipeg Police Association. We have a gentleman coming uh, who's involved with uh, building neighborhoods. And he's going to talk to us about the lighting and maybe some lighting issues that we have in Charleswood. We have some very beautiful wooded areas, but there's some issues that come with that beauty. And we'll talk about some ways to uh, address that. We'll talk about also, we want to be honest with everybody about what is happening in the police department, what, where they see concerns. Because I can tell you, I've spoken to a few that are, that are troubled by how long it's taking them to uh, respond to calls that are, that are stressed out because uh, I, I think that people don't realize that, again, it's, it's about allocation of resources. It's about allocation of dollars and how we spend those dollars. So it's not just put more money towards the police department to hire more officers. This is a big problem that has many moving parts that have to be addressed. Where are you at on the Portage of Maine issue? Uh, well, the Portage of Maine issue, as you said, I mean, it's on the ballot right now. It's for people to decide. And I think the bigger question is, we know that Portage of Maine is a big part of our history. It's a big part of the city. You and I both know. I mean, Portage of Maine is mentioned in some songs. But the, I think the bigger question is, isn't whether should we open it or not. The question is, what's the plan? I, ha- I haven't seen a plan yet. I don't know fully what the plan is. Are we saying if we open Portage of Maine, everything in downtown will be perfect? Or do we have a deeper plan? Do we have a, a strategy? Because I think when we get into planning, we need to look further out than two or three months or two or three years. What's the long-term strategy there? And I haven't seen that yet. And um, while I've got you, what other issues are important in Charleswood and Tuxedo uh, coming up on the, the vote in uh, October? I, I think the same as a lot of other areas. People are concerned uh, with the infrastructure. They want to see improvements to their own streets. I think fair allocation of the infrastructure dollars. One of the big things is that uh, I would like to do in uh, Charleswood Tuxedo is improve the transparency. I want to make sure that everybody I work for, because I truly look at it that way. If they elect me to be their city councillor, I work for them. I think we, I would like to improve the transparency, even just for myself, but I want to see more information uh, regularly going to the people in the ward, the people that it's important for. And I also think that they want to see some accountability. So I'm, said from day one, I will be that person that will try to hold uh, city officials accountable when they make decisions that affect people's homes, which we know have happened, uh, or when it affects people's tax tax dollars, because we all pay a lot of tax dollars, and I think we want more for that. Kevin, good luck. Thank you. Thank you very much, Al. First Tuesday of the month, and so Mood Disorders Manitoba joins us. Tara Brousseau-Snyder is on the phone. Hi, Tara. Hi, Al. Hi, thank you for doing this. So it's back to school. We're talking a lot of back to school this week. You wanted to touch on this uh, relating to mental health and depression and anxiety. Go for it. Yeah, you know what? There's a really interesting study that's been released today, and what it's showing is that we have to be quite concerned for our children 
We're seeing an increase in uh, depression, an increase in anxiety, increase in emergency department visits, more increase in self-harm. And uh, it's really important on the first day of school to understand that kids are struggling, that they need support, they need connection, and they need to feel that uh, there is someone there they can talk to and who will listen. Why do you think we're seeing more of this now? I think we're seeing more because um, we're definitely seeing more bullying. We're seeing especially cyberbullying. Um, I think that uh Kids are, there's more expectation today placed on kids. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's more of a, a more difficult world for them. It's estimated that between 10 and 20% of all kids have a mental health disorder. And we're um, definitely seeing it even with depression. 11% of all kids in school will have experienced depression. I just said this yesterday, you know, I dealt with bullying going to school, but I got a break when I went home. Now kids don't get that break with social media, do they? They don't. It's always in their face and they worry. And I actually think that, you know, the weeks moving up to today and the first day of school can be really difficult. And then you you arrive at school and it can be made worse. Um you're you're really it's really incumbent that we actually start protecting our kids from from bullying so how do we do that moms and dads listening right now how do we take care of our kids well first of all you have to provide a, an environment that's open when they come home so you know don't start going at them and asking them a million questions but wait for them to talk but find that time for them to talk it can be you know right after school whether it's a snack it can be asking them to go for a walk or do something but something where it's not all just intense can be over the dinner table but sit there and wait for a response from them to find out exactly what they're thinking, what their day's like, and how it's happening. We're just about out of time here, Tara. Any final message? I think that uh, as long as as you watch and you um, make sure that your children have good sleep patterns, good nutrition, that you've got a routine for them on the first day, they should be okay. And then at Mood Disorders, we provide help if, if you need more help and are able and need to talk. Yeah, you guys are always there. Tara, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you, Hal. Let me play a little bit of Jeff Courier's interview earlier here on CGOB with Munther Zeed from Food Fair. Well, uh, I got approached by somebody from the uh, uh, labor board yesterday telling me that I'm breaking the law and I'm not allowed to open. And it was uh, kind of a shocker considering we've opened up uh, over the years on various holidays for the community. Now, was this a, a provincial, provincial officials, federal? Uh, provincial. Yeah. All right, and what did they tell you? They told me basically that the law says that unless I normally operate with four employees or less on any given time, I'm not allowed to open. All right, and and typically your stores have more than four employees yes. at any given time because you've got your meat counter, you got your butchers and all that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was, they they claim that they they make that law to basically level the playing field to allow the smaller businesses to have an advantage of opening up and. I don't know where I fall. I'm not big business. I'm not considered small business anymore. Um, 
So uh, for us, it's basically, it's an opportunity for us to open up uh, for the community. Uh, students love to work that day because it's an extra working day for them. They get some extra money and it allows us to possibly grow our business by getting some customers coming in and seeing our stores. So the, the people who do work on, on these stat holidays, is anybody required to work for you? No, uh, we, we've never made it a half to day. It's volunteers. Everybody that works that day is volunteers. Plus we have a bit of family that works also, right. but uh, it's mostly students that volunteer to work because yeah. they need the money. Munther Zeed from Food Fair chatting earlier with our Jeff Courier here on CJOB. Lauren Remillard, President and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, joins us now. Good afternoon, Lauren. Good afternoon, Hal. So, listen, whatever's going to happen with this will happen with this. We'll, we'll find out. But I just wanted to get you on to have kind of a general conversation about store hours and uh, how there are still these laws on the books that restrict retail or or business people. Isn't it time to just open it up? If somebody wants to open the store to do business and they've got staff that wants to work and make the money, let them do it. Absolutely. The, the fact is our society has changed so much in the last number of years, decades for that matter. When we polled uh, Winnipeggers and Manitobans approximately a year and a half ago, and we asked them, should retailers be allowed to set their own hours, in particular around Sunday? Three-quarters of Manitobans said yes, absolutely. The reason why Manitobans and Winnipeggers support this is because at the end of the day, everyone, uh, our society is so very diverse. The idea of working Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, no longer holds true for the vast majority of people. So people want to have options available to them. I mean, we have it with the internet. You can shop 24-7. We need to modernize our holiday and Sunday shopping hours, absolutely. And that means start with letting retailers set their own hours and the market will decide whether those hours are good or bad. Why do we put these restrictions on business people and yet we don't in other areas of society? Well, and that is the question. Why is it that, you know, whenever we talk about Sunday hours, inevitably the question comes up around, well, you know, we need a day where we have family time and we arbitrarily say Sunday is to be that day. And my question is, why does it have to be the retail sector that has to be this this flag bearer for what we're hoping to be that rebuilding of family time on, on a Sunday? The fact is people celebrate and, and spend time as families all different days of the week at different times. So it's, it's unfortunate that we continue to look at the retail sector to say we're going to put restrictions on you, and, but we're not going to apply that to anywhere else in, across the province in different sectors. So the time is to treat retail fairly like we treat all the other sectors and say, you know your business, you know your customers, set the hours that are appropriate for both. Yeah, I think you're right. Some of these laws have been on the books, as you said, for decades, and yet retail especially is changing so quickly, right? Like the stores that are open, like for example, say a Shoppers Drug Mart or a Rexall could open yesterday, but they're selling groceries, but yet Munther's Eated Food Fair can't. It doesn't make any sense. It's a very convoluted law, and I've been looking at it, and it's not the first time we've been dealing with this issue at the Chamber, but it is still very complicated. Do I fall into this exemption? Can I open? Do I have four? It's just very convoluted. So, you know, one of the principles we believe works well with government is keep it simple and keep it very straightforward. And by allowing retailers to set their own hours, 
that is keeping it simple. It's treating everyone fairly across the board. And I know in listening to the interview before that there was the claim that government had done this previously to provide small businesses the opportunity to compete. Business never wants government to unlevel the playing field or create advantages or disadvantages. That's not government's role. Business will compete, uh, be it small, mid or large, on their own strengths. They do not need government to protect or, uh, as I said, unlevel that playing field. Yeah, and it should be my choice as a customer to decide if I want to go to a mom-and-pop shop or if I want to go to one of the big box stores. That should be on me, not on the government, to decide that. Absolutely. We always believe that customers will are always make the best choice as to what works for them. And again, what has I think these rules could not have anticipated when they were drafted way back in the day was the advent of online shopping. Mm-hmm. Today, people are doing it 24-7. And if we do not empower our retail sector with the means to compete with that, that 24-7 world, we're actually putting them at a competitive disadvantage while government may be thinking they're trying to help them. Yeah, that's a very good point, Lauren. I hadn't even thought about that. You know, here we are putting restrictions on Munther Zeed and Food Fair and others like him. And, and uh, you know, we're saying buy local and, you know, support the, the brick and mortar in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. And then yesterday, well, there are restrictions on some stores, as you said, wide open on the Internet, where it makes no sense. No, and again, it's getting to the point where you can basically order groceries online. Anything that you would go to your mom and pop shop for right. is available online. So that market has changed substantially. We need to allow our retailers to have that barrier removed for them and allow them to stand on their own feet, which they are prepared to do, but remove the shackles of this really antiquated legislation that really doesn't reflect the modern society we have. Hey, Lauren, while I've got you, I know you've got a couple things coming up you want to let people know about. Uh, One of them involves Portage and Maine, and I think this is, uh, if people can get out, certainly the business community can get out and hear this speaker, they should do it. Tell us about it. Well, absolutely. On September 19th, uh, we're starting with a half-day conference talking about how do we build a livable city. Obviously, we're we're now into the election for uh, mayor and council, and really we want to shine a light on We're going to have what we call pothole issues, but really elections are a great time for us to think, what kind of city are we really wanting to build, not just in the next four years, but over the next 40? Because that's how successful cities think. They think long-term, laying the foundations today for success down the road. So on September 19th, we're bringing in a number of visionaries. One that we just announced today is former Mayor Glenn Murray will be our closing keynote speaker for the conference, talking about how Winnipeg, in his view, can actually lead this, what he's called, new urban regeneration in Canada, really the rise of the mid-sized cities. This is our time, and Winnipeg's poised to lead that charge. And then it really culminates with our uh, first membership luncheon of the year, and that's Jan Gale. As it relates to Portage and Maine, Jan Gale was one of the principals behind the conversion of Times Square into the mall pedestrian area that it is now. So just timely, given that we are going to be having a conversation about Portage and Maine, and I think he'll bring some uh, really good insights. Good for you. That's great that you've got Glenn Murray. I was hoping to get him on my show, and it just uh, wasn't possible. So that's great that you've got him coming, because it was, uh, I guess, in 2004, really, that he started looking at what could be done at Portage and Maine, and, and you know, was, was uh, at least a decade or, or 15 years kind of ahead of time. Absolutely, and in speaking with him, and I don't want to 
you know, spoil the, the surprise, but he definitely has some thoughts about it, but really comes down to, are we asking the right questions about Portage and Maine? Um, but I'll leave that for the conference. I invite people to come down and hear what he has to say. It's going to be very exciting. Excellent. And also, before I let you go, um, crime. Are your members or chamber members starting to talk about this big issue? You mentioned the election, of course, coming up October 24th. We've been talking today, and it seems like every day, about how big this issue of crime is getting. Crime is always going to be an issue for a large urban centre, and Winnipeg's no difference in that regard. So we do hear from it time to time, uh, but at the same time, we, you know, very strong supporters of the Winnipeg Police Service think they're doing a great job. Uh, we know we have issues. We know meth has, has become a significant crisis in our community. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, we've got strategies in place and, and we need to work those through. And uh, there's going to be some issues that arise out of it, you know, everything from safe injection sites yeah. to support for frontline workers and so forth. And we need to have those conversations. But I really do want to caution Winnipeggers, let's not overreact to a story as, as horrendous as it may be. Uh, the fact is Winnipeg is still a very, very safe city, a great place to raise a family and, and own and operate a business. Lauren, really appreciate your help today. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Al. Lauren Remillard is the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. Well, um, joining us now on the phone, Brad Nerink. Brad is the engineering manager at Public Works at the city of Winnipeg. Good afternoon, Brad. Hi. Hi, thanks for doing this. How are we doing? Construction season is, uh, well, not quite winding down yet, but getting toward the end. Well, we still have a, a lot of work to do yet. There's a lot of uh, construction season left this summer. We have... Uh, uh, approximately 225 new locations this year, including some of the stuff from last year that we carried over and completed as well. And to date, we've finished about uh, 66 of those streets and alleys uh, so far. So a lot more to go here. Are we going to get them all done? Uh, at this point, we have to, to look at uh, how, how the rest of the construction season progresses, like how the how the uh, how the uh, uh, Weather weather holds up and everything like that uh, till the end of the year. So we probably know more by the end of September where we're at. There's a few projects that are going to carry over, and we're, we're always planned to as their two-year construction projects. And those would include things like uh, uh, Empress Street, where we have a, a second tender going out uh, late this month uh, for work for next year, and work on Gary Street uh, south of south of Portage will carry over to next year, as well as work on firmer between St. Anne's and Archibald, and of course the uh, Waverly underpass. How many projects will continue next year? Just, uh, I guess, the, the, those four major projects I just mentioned. Okay. Uh, there's, there's also a few industrial streets where they were two-year contracts as well. So there's another three there. So seven for sure. And then we'll see how the weather progresses for the rest of the year. And, uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, I guess you're hoping, right, that winter will hold off and you'll get as much done as possible. Yeah, so far we've had an excellent construction season. It's been very dry weather, and hopefully that that will continue on into uh, September and October, and we'll be able to complete everything. Any surprises or hiccups, Brad, or have things gone well? Everything's gone.
going well so far. There's, uh, uh, and we'll see. We'll see how things go for the rest of the year. You know, it's a double-edged sword, right? You want the street work to get done, and yet, oh, the street work can be frustrating. Are you hearing a lot on three one one from people about uh, the work, the street projects? Uh, nothing more than usual. I think people we're, we thank people for their patience, and uh, you know it does disrupt their lives when construction is occurring. And uh, so so far, uh, I think things are progressing well. Brad, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That is Brad Nerink. He is the manager of engineering, Public Works, City of Winnipeg. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.